Welcome to Photographers Talking, the podcast that brings you some of the most innovative and respected photographers in the business. We'll find out what goes on behind the camera and why it's every bit as interesting as the images you see. I'm Chris McNulty. I've been a photographer and picture editor for over 20 years, and I'll introduce you to the people who make the most dynamic and interesting images in the world today. It wasn't quite a eureka moment, but I thought, I'm surrounded by the people I should be photographing in this studio. David Justas is known for his fashion celebrity and art photography. He left his job as a prison officer in Glasgow to study photography. On graduation, he moved to London, where he worked for a number of magazines, including GQ and Vogue, before basing himself in New York for 15 years. He now lives in Scotland. You can see the work we're talking about today if you visit davidustas.com. I began by asking David to introduce his latest project, 32 York Place. Well, 32 York Place is a portfolio primarily created during the sort of lull in between the, this lockdown and the previous lockdown in August. And it's a series of 24 portraits of uh, the senators of the Scottish College of Justice. Now, how did it come about? It, it's a long-winded story, but it starts like most of these things in something that was really quite simple. One night I was online and I came across an article on uh, Sir Henry Rayburn, the painter, famous for the... Most people know him, it's like, you know, for the skating minister on, on Duddington Loch. And, and, and I was just looking further into it. It was absolute boredom, to be honest with you. And I, and I started thinking about, OK, I wonder where it was, Rayburn's studio was. I knew it was in Edinburgh, but I wasn't quite sure where. And I just started looking for... You know the internet does that. It leads you to one link to another yes. thing and then you yes. follow through. And I ended up seeing that the, the place had just been sold uh, at auction. So I, 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 you know, continued on the next morning. I thought, I'm going to look into this. And, and inquiries, one thing led to another thing and I arranged to see the, the, the building, the, the current owner of it, very kindly allowed to, to let me see the building. <clears throat> so... It was a wonderful, I mean, it had changed, it had been modernised inside. But the, yeah. the, 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 the sort of energy of the place still exists in beautiful big north-facing windows. Uh, and I fell in love with the building and I thought, this, is, this would be an amazing place to photograph. But it's like everything else, you need something to photograph inside it rather than just the building because it, it just course, it's yes. in itself didn't interest me. Uh, so I wasn't sure what I was going to photograph. I knew I was given access to the building and, and it's like everything else, you start to wreck your brains and friends with good intent suggest, you know, people that you should maybe do a portfolio on. But for me, the, the, the subject I wanted to photograph, I wasn't sure why. And I didn't know who. So weeks turned to months and then it was a year and then it was a bit further on. And there's a gentleman I know called Lord Brodie. And Lord Brodie is my assessor and my role as Chancellor at, at Napier. And we were okay. talking and he invited me to, to a dinner one night <clears throat> at Parliament House, where every year the, the senators of the College of Justice have this yearly dinner and each invite a guest, as they say jokingly, to prove their own people out with the legal profession. And, and it was a wonderful <laughs> night, and it was just it was a lovely experience. And I was sitting there, and I was seated mm -hmm. beside, at one point, both uh, Lord President, Lord Carloway, and Lord Justice Clerk, Lady Dorian. And I remember looking about the building, and we're having the conversations, and I, I didn't really know much about them, but, you know, 
We started talking about art, and I was saying I love some of the paintings in here, you know, they're beautiful. Uh, and I said it's kind of, you know, there's a link there that some of these paintings must be at least two or three hundred years old. And, and the content aesthetically hasn't changed that much, but the profession has changed incredibly. Yeah. And we started talking, and it was Lord Carloway who said to me, well, some of these paintings are by Sir Henry Rayburn. And, and, and it wasn't quite a eureka moment, but I thought, I'm surrounded by the people I should be photographing in the studio. Right, yeah. And yeah. I worked towards it. I got it already. We put a lot of effort in. As you can imagine, their diaries were a lot busier than mine. And then lockdown happened in March last year. And I thought, well, that's it. Now, at any time in this period, this is well over a year, that property could have been sold or uh, rented out. And I'm just very grateful that the owner of it, he basically gave me a key and trust. The lockdown continued through last summer. And then there was a short window of opportunity, a small break where I thought maybe I could make this happen. And thankfully... Uh, a chap called Paul Gilmer at the the High Court <clears throat> who coordinates uh, and, and schedules many of the diaries uh, managed to pull it all together for me. And we, we, we got 24 of, I think it's 34, but some had retired or some were not well, some were away on vacation. So we got 24 okay. out of 30, I think it's 34, 32 or 34. Uh, and I made this series of portraits, so that was it. I will, I'll just set the scene a little bit for the listeners here. Henry Rayburn is, you know, a massive part of this project, but so too is the town of Edinburgh. Uh, and the period that uh, we're talking about there when the house is built is kind of known as the Scottish Enlightenment. The house that he's built is uh, in the new town, which is Georgian area of the town, isn't it? Uh, built about 1800. I think you mentioned there, from, that, from his house, the studio looks north, which is towards the Port of Leith which is where a lot of the trade is coming and going, and that is what makes Edinburgh rich. And Rayburn is painting the portraits of that new wealth, isn't he? Rayburn is he's a kind of man of his time, isn't he? He's a, he is a real Renaissance man. I found a lovely quote, though I can't attribute it. It says, So varied were his other interests that sitters would say of him, you would never take him for a painter until he seizes his brush and palette. I think it's of a time. It's a time we can't understand. You know, I, I think we can reflect on it and create our own picture of how it should be or what it should be. There's obviously, it's very recent history still, but it's still a time we can't understand. So they would have so many different things going on, so many things that yeah. would be taken care of. Society is a very changed society today than it was in, in Rayburn's time. But he was he was very interested in many things, you know, and he, he was also a man that travelled, you know. But Rayburn, Rayburn was... I don't know if Rayburn was huge in this project for me. I think it was more to do... I don't even know if the, the sitters were huge. Now, that might sound flippant. I don't mean it that way. OK, what, yeah, that's what interesting. What I mean by that is it's, it's the passing of time that's important to me. It's okay. the, the moment where a body of work is created that really will only be measured in time to come. Uh, for me, I learned much about it and, you know, that's almost my hopes and I was introduced to new people and I, I heard of their history and their stories and their opinions and I found that really interesting. But the the fact that I was using Rayburn's studio was more to, to, to bring a link together that 
it was almost the stage for a play. Okay. And that yes. history linked both things. So the judges were in a responsibility, in a role that others will hold 200 years from now. And I wonder how much it'll change. Who knows? So uh, uh, Rayburn played, uh, and I also admired the aesthetics within Rayburn. And, and I also, you know, I've always worked with a similar kind of light that he would work with. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter if I'm photographing, you know, a, a bunch of flowers or a high court judge or a landscape. I'm attracted to a, a certain type of light. And Rayburn. And so has many artists from Vermeer all the way through. You know, it was that very north-facing artist, quiet light. Uh, yeah. So I, I loved the idea because there was nothing in the studio really that would have been recognisable to Raven. You know, he would have looked at door handles in a strange way, and he would have looked at the you know these three-pronged things sticking the wall that I was plugging things into. You know, that, so it's, yeah, it's all real. But yeah. what hadn't changed was how the light fell. Uh, and, and I thought yeah. that was quite interesting. It's interesting that you say that Rayburn didn't really, he didn't play a huge part in in the project. And I suppose maybe that's not a surprise. You have to take it on and make it your own, don't you? You know, the Rayburn thing, the studio thing, the judges thing and myself, there's all yeah. different elements that come together. You know, so I, I could have lost the chance to have worked in the studio if I hadn't found the right subject because it wasn't just enough to work in the studio. So, of course, yes. You know, I think Rayburn probably played. It's all. It's. It's like you know. It's every. No matter how much the contribution, every part of it is important for me. You know, you get pissed yeah. off with a jigsaw. There's one piece missing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I. He's just like an over. He's just a figure that you know that's overseeing everything, isn't he? He's there, but he's not. You're not trying to be him. Or, in well, a he sense. designed that. He designed. He designed that building, so he specifically wanted that north facing light. So that's yeah. a connection that we can't really connect to, but there's an appreciation from me of what he was visualising and hoping for and brought to fruition that I enjoyed yeah. and made a portfolio on two hundred odd years later. You know. The access is all important, isn't it? And I see here that you set up a meeting between a representative of the building and someone who represents you, Guy Peplo, and, and yourself. Gaining access is a really interesting thing because it, it's it, there's a lot of legwork goes into making these pictures, isn't there? Yeah, but again, uh, there is, there always is. But to me, that's part of the enjoyment. So you know, right. for some people, they can see it as a hurdle. I see it as actually part of the enjoyment. You know, it's it's. I know a lot of great chefs. And they enjoy preparing the food as much as they do cooking it or eating it. Yeah. So for me, it's that's part of the that's part of the learning curve. That's part of the self development. That's part of the the final project, you know. Uh, and and I don't see it as hard work, but access no. is, was all important, obviously, you know. And it's important to get people to come on board with you, isn't it? Because. If you just ask someone... I think you your commitment it. towards it can help that. I think if yeah. you're enthusiastic about it, if you make every effort to, to try and make it work, people are by and large really willing to help one another. And yeah. I was incredibly fortunate. The, the chap, Keith uh, Davidson, who owns the building now, uh, or as I call him, the custodian of the building, and, and, 
you know, and, yeah. and Keith, yeah, you know, of course. he was just, this guy didn't know me from Adam, and he was incredibly yeah. trusting, so much so that he gave me a key and use it as long as you want, David. Uh, so, you know, it was, that that's part of the thing. So, you know, Keith, Keith is as important as in that uh, portfolio as any of the sitters. Because the photographs yes. wouldn't exist without his, you know, his cooperation and his help. You know, a lot of people seem to think that it's just a magic wand that you do. You yeah, know, and it's yeah. not a magic wand. Sometimes it's failure along the road. Sometimes you try and do a project and somebody says, no, nah, can't do that. And you go, oh, fine, okay. And you go, right, can I do something else? Or can you work? So it's, it's, it's that resilience thing and, and the hope of, of achieving something, you know? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of highs and lows in these sort of these kind of projects, yeah, isn't there? I th- I you you think, feel that you're going to get yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I think there is highs and lows, but I think it's it's always up and downs. I mean, I've I've created that portfolio, uh, and it's ninety ninety nine percent finished. It, it goes in a museum box that is still to get made, and, and it gets made in New York, and that that's in this current climate not too easy because the firm out there that I deal with aren't operating as they would normally work. Uh, course, still yeah. very much hand-on, <clears throat> uh, hands-on small company. But once that's completed, I'll have invested a lot of time and a lot of money into making this portfolio, and I've still not sold any, you know, so there's all that comes next. And, and is that important? Of course it's important, because that'll help me fund my next project, you know. Well, I was going to ask you about that later, but is how much resource you've allocated to this? Now, it's obviously your time. I, I think for me, I've never... You know, I've I've put in what I've always had to put in or what I can afford, and sometimes it's a huge gamble. That yeah. you know, you think I'm never going to see a return, but you don't. Well, I certainly don't do it just for a financial return. Uh, the financial return is lovely if you do get that because it allows you to yeah. do something more. Uh, it, it, it depends what what your hopes are from it. My hopes were to learn from it, to create a body of work that I could learn from, that I could pass on, that I could share. Uh, my hopes were to meet other people who I found interesting or their occupation interesting. My hopes were to work in a studio that had an incredible history to it. And, and my hopes are to make money from that that will allow me to do something else. And, and that would be probably the last reason I would be doing it for, but it's still a relative yeah. one it's an important one. It's not relative for this job, but as you say, when you come to make your next portrait and you're stony broke, well, that becomes very difficult, doesn't it? Well, photography's cheaper now than it's ever been. You know, it's like every time you put a roll of film through a camera, it costs you a lot of money. Today, you know, you're shooting it on digital. You can work yourself with one camera. On that project, I worked with a friend who's an assistant on a few projects for me. And we worked with a digital camera, so I mean, it's not that difficult, you know. Uh, you did have expenses of set building and, and renting some equipment. Yeah. Then you had your time, and then you have your prints, and then you have I've got letterpress sheets all handmade for the portfolio. So you're investing, you know, quite a lot of money, and sometimes it's a massive gamble because, you know, as you, you probably know yourself, photography is not. If you want to get into a career to make money at the moment, I wouldn't suggest photography. <laughs> no, there's certainly other things, but I don't know what career you would go into to make money just now. Um, and it's like everything else. Do you, do you just go into a career just to make money? If you do, then I think you'll be hugely disappointed. 
I think you spoke earlier on there about how you got the sitters on board. I've, I've learned through through the, the my life is that the older I get, the less coincidence seems to surprise me. And what I mean by that is, I was that, that portfolio was made ten, ten ten times easier because I had a relationship with one of the judges, i.e., Lord Brodie, who, yeah. on a professional level. Uh, Accepted the the chance to 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 support me in my role as Chancellor at Edinburgh Napier. So he over the the years we'd known each other. I would like to think knew my character, knew how I responded, knew my principles, knew what I hoped for, uh, and and my passion for education. Uh, Lord Brody could go back. Philip Brody could go back and say to someone, "It's okay, you know, I've met this chap, and and, and he seemed as." as as honest as you're going to get that way. And, and so much so that when I was invited to that dinner, I was seated bes- between the two senior judges in Scotland and unbeknown to me, both are huge fans of the art world. So we had something in common. So, you know, at least it's all the little ingredients again. You know, it's, it's known the right amount of spices or salt or yeah. seasoning to put in a meal. And, and it takes, but without it, it misses something. And, and I think, you know, all these things fell into place, but the older I get, the the less I really believe in, oh, that was lucky. You know, yes. I, 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 think yeah. you, I, think, I think there's a true thing when you see you make your own luck to a certain extent. I can't remember who was it. Was it Ben Hogan? It was certainly one of the golfers who said, uh, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Uh, it was Gary Player, the golfer. Gary Player was yeah. it, the uh, goal, yeah. You got um, one in it, yeah. And that, that, I think there's an element of truth in that. But also, I Absolutely. think, you know, that practice can be enjoyment, you know. So every photograph I take, I'm practising, but I also get great enjoyment out of it. Uh, I don't really worry about it or stress about it, but I get, I get concerned about it, you know. I, I try and do the best I can do. Uh, so, no, it, it did help that, you know, you've got two of the senior judges in Scotland who have an interest in the art world, and you've also it also helps another senior judge knows your character and knows of you both professionally and personally because, you know, we're quite close neighbours. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got three people and they can tell other people and then they can get excited about the project and then you're, you're off and running. Yeah, because these people are putting their faith in you, they're putting, and especially people who hold that position because that's a huge leap of trust. Uh, and yes. I think that trust brings a responsibility. I think you have a responsibility to anyone that you photograph uh, but in a career or in a, a, a public role, then it's a huge uh, leap of trust and faith in you. So, you know. If you would like to support Photographers Talking, a really easy way to do that is by visiting our guest social media and websites. Visit davidustas.com forward slash shop for prints, limited editions and much more. Portfolio 32 York Place will be available to purchase at some point this year and you can make inquiries through David's website. And back to our interview. So if I can, I'd like to speak about the the setting up. Were you there on the day or did you get set up the day before? Oh no, I'd set up a couple of days before because I had the keys to the place. So, you know, know, it was all ready for them coming and I think it's like everything else. I remember somebody once said to me, you know, a lot of people think fortune favours the brave. He says fortune favours the professional. And, okay, and I think yeah. that's what it is, you know. I, I think 
you do the best you can do. You get it as good as you can get it. You get it to the point where it's ready. That when they come into that studio, <clears throat> my only concentration is with them, talking to them. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to have enough to worry about creating something or working with something. And you, you will fine-tune it, of course you will. But at the moment, you've got to get it to that level. You can't think, oh, I wish I had put that there and I wish I'd put that there. That can sometimes happen, but it's not always ideal, you know. It's that bit yeah. where you want to do it to improve it rather than have to do it to fix it. How did it work on the day? Because you've got 24 people. Did you shoot them in one day or no, across a couple over, of days? No, I shot it over three weeks. Uh, and some day, sometimes it was like two people a day, sometimes it was one person a day. Uh, one time it was three in one afternoon, straight after the other. I had to be absolutely 100% flexible in my time. So it was left, yeah. when can they do it? And I will do it then. Well, that that's... Uh... I felt there would be something like that. It's a big commitment, isn't it? And it's a big job to get a lot of people through in one day. But it's an even bigger commitment, isn't it, to do over a period of three weeks, isn't it? Because that is eating into time that you would have to do other things. I don't think it's a problem because three weeks in my life is only three weeks in my life. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, if, you, if you want to make it something bigger than that, then you, you'll find you can absolutely easily do that. But for me, it was yeah. quite a joy because it was relaxed because you thought, right, at two o'clock today I'm photographing, blah, blah, blah. From that morning, you go and get coffee, you go and because the studio was set up. Okay, you know, and, and you just and, relax into and it. And you had to pick up... I, I picked the robes up each day when I drove down. We drove down past the courts and it was all the people okay. in the background who got all the robes ready and, you know, they were doing all the hard work. All I was doing was driving and picking up, driving down, going and getting a coffee <laughs> and then getting a conversation with someone and photographing them. Uh, so, you know, that, that side of it I found quite relaxed rather than doing it all in one day. And because also as well, it gives you the luxury to look back on what you've done that day, you know, yeah. to know what you're going to do the next day. If you need to do, if you need to change anything, you know. But no, I, I didn't see it as a, a, a huge, the three weeks, it's not even three weeks, it was three weeks to photograph them. Now, I could have done it in two days or three days, but yeah. it was more the time... The, the, almost two years to set it up and yeah. the, the years since uh, to get the edit to get the prints, to get the portfolio made all these sort of things you know. and the next thing I'll be working on is a, is a, a catalogue to try and promote the, the, the portfolio and sell it If we can talk about some of the works themselves now and the choices that you made there if you were a portrait painter you would paint a person in a portrait style with a canvas up and down of your landscape you know it's called landscape for a reason but you, you've photographed these in landscape now, we find it easy don't we as photographers to flip the camera around the other way but a painter is very much committed you know from the moment that the canvas goes on the the easel I mean I was committed to doing these landscape before I took the first frame because yeah. I had decided there had to be a unity a, a uniformity all the way through it there had to be something that it made it all make sense. So on yeah. day one, if you turn up and you do a landscape, then that doesn't mean you need to do day two's landscape. You can do what you want with it. But for me, I wanted to keep a uniformity to it. That the Because if I'd produced 24 por 23 portraits that I was delighted with in the all landscape, and there was one that was in portrait format, then that one would have stood out. Now, it yeah, would have stood out for being a, different, a, a better photograph whatever that is, it would have stood out for being 
displayed it in a different format. So for me, the whole landscape thing was something I, I'm more and more attracted to making portraits in, in a landscape format. Somehow it makes the, few, the frame seem bigger to me. Uh, but So I think you've got that commitment with a painting. You can change a paint whenever you want. You know, yeah. you paint it, then you can you paint over it and turn it around, you know. So I think there's... That, to me, is something that I set my, my own sort of... And, and it's funny because once you've made that first portrait, if you've made them all landscapes, to a certain extent, unlike the painting, you could crop in, but it right, wouldn't have yeah. been the same frame because I try and frame within camera still. You know, I don't yeah. do much cropping, to be honest with you. Uh, you have, you, you've committed to that, that shape and the main things that you have in the frame, which is a, a beautiful mottled background, you've got the window light, but within the frame you've moved a few objects round about inside the frame, haven't you? And that just to break it up or is... Well, I think it gives balance to certain things. I think there's, you know, it's all about the way that you're trying to not... If you're writing a book, you don't write the same chapter one after the other, but it'll have the same, same linkage... So for me, it's making that slight change. And as soon as you make a change in a sitter, then you have to be aware of the background because it's relevant that everything that you put in a photograph, you almost, to a certain extent, have to give the same consideration to what you don't put in the photograph or because you yeah. put it within the photograph so it doesn't become stronger or maybe you want it to be stronger. I don't know. You know, it, it yeah. depends. So everything is... Even when it's made to look... Matter of fact, by and large, it's it's constructed because you put it there. And, but sometimes you, you sometimes you find it. Sometimes you go to put and you go, no, do you know what? It looks great there. So it's an instant decision that you make on it, uh, and it works. And it might be the way they sit. It might be the way they lift their arm. It might be the way they move their head. It might be the way that you direct them to do that. Yeah. So it's 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 constant watching all the time for me. And I love the picture at the start of your, on your website where it introduces the portfolio, the one right at the top. There's no one in it and it's just the chair and it steps back and you see the whole thing. When you see the rest of the portfolio, you can fill in some of the blanks and you can see some of the objects. If I remember right, I think there's one of the robes hanging up in that picture. And I, and I, there's and one in the corner, yeah. And the reason and I was doing table. that was because... It was, well, it was many fold. I actually put that photograph out before I told people what the portfolio was about. And it was almost like, oh, what's coming next? It's almost like, then what happens? Uh, but right, by okay, putting yeah. little links in there, there was, there was suggestions. Uh, but that frame also represents, you know, it was a frame that they, they would all fill. It was a seat that most of them would sit in. Uh, they, they would all sit in the model and the ones that were standing. Uh, the background remained the same. The table was what it was. So it was it's, it was almost like the empty stage before the the players came on, you know. And I mean that with great respect when I say there were players. The the, the, the yeah. you know the, the everybody every every portrait you take to a certain extent is a performance. It's how you direct it or how you work with the the content. Uh, that you'd staged, yeah, produced, staged and directed, yeah. You're known as a portrait photographer and these are undoubtedly portraits that you've taken in this studio and in this setting. 
And if you take each individual one, of course, it would be a portrait. But when you put the 24 of them together, it very much becomes a documentary, doesn't it? I think that, that's part it, of the whole thing for me. That's how I now, by and large, Chris, I work in portfolios, you know. But I've right, always yeah. tried to do that, I suppose, even if I was doing editorial work back in the early 90s, I always tried to make, if you're, if you're you know, one thing is if you're the photographer and you're stamping your, your vision on it, or your voice or your hopes or whatever it is, there will be a linkage there already, but it's trying to understand how you can you can create it more as a volume or a, a a book or an idea or a body of work rather than just a single statement as such, you know. And I think just a portrait itself that can be very much the most powerful statement there is. But for me, yeah. these were in the last I see the last ten ten years. Primarily, I like working in bodies of work, you know, uh, portfolios rather than... And I still take individual images, you know, of course I do. But for me, I like a project where it's something that works together on it, you know. That's why I was interested in the way that you'd placed objects and moved them around within the frame. If they were in the same place every time, it would be one thing. But the fact that they move around about, it seems to tell its own story. It seems to inform more, uh, for me anyway. The frame doesn't change, but everything within the yeah. frame changes. So if you have a house, you have rooms, but each room's different. So the things in, in, in my rooms is when the, the main focus, which is the sitter, changes. And... You know, everything in that photograph there is important, but nothing more important than the, the person who's the main focus. So the other yes. things are that, you know, sometimes it's you need something subtle so it doesn't leave too much of an empty space. Sometimes you need to remove things to leave a greater empty space. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a collective of, of all considerations within a fo- photograph for me. If we can maybe speak of it, the images themselves and, and the sitters as a, as a whole, um, it, it would be crass to, to sort of say, do you have a favourite? But do, do you have a favourite? <laughs> hey, I, I, don't, I don't really have a favourite. Favourite's wrong. No, favourite for me would be the wrong one. I, I don't have a favourite as such. I have one uh, or two that probably means something on a different level, i.e. I love the empty seat one because I love that because yeah. that, that represents them all for me and they're not even there. That represents, for me, the beginning of a project that hadn't at that point started. You know, so yeah. it's what the, that image represents for me necessarily won't appeal to other people. Uh, I enjoy the photograph of Lord Brodie because... Without uh, Philip Brody, the, 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 I, I don't think the project would have happened. Uh, right, yeah. And I, I also, and I joke quite regularly with, with Philip that I think he he looks how a judge in my mind would look. And he, he's <laughs> one, you know, he's, he's, he's an absolute yeah. gem of a gem. I've always found him to be a, an incredibly, as judges should be, uh, understanding, considerate, respectful, decent human being. But when you see them, when you go into that role as judges, Philip just looks like how a judge should have. <laughs> they're used, uh, while they're sitting on the bench, to playing a part, aren't they? Uh, as you say, they are... I mean, I, I don't know enough about their profession. What I do know is they're incredibly considerate. Uh, they have to... 
amass as much information as they can and form a judgment on that information. So, uh, you know, experience is huge. Uh, an appreciation of circumstance is huge. An understanding yeah. and knowledge of events is huge. So they're, 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 very, they're very formulated, but they're equally, I think, still very open in, in their mindset. You know, I, I think people have these perceptions of what judges should be without having actually ever met a judge. And most times that you would ever lightly meet a judge, you don't really want to meet a judge because <laughs> you'd be standing in front of them and, and that's not really... Well, I think I think that sense of the person and the profession definitely comes across in the picture, in, in the series of pictures. Well, it's, it is, it's, it's, those were the judges of the, the... or they were the senators of the High Court, uh, the, sorry, the Scottish College of Justice in 2020 during a... A, 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 a pandemic and and that for me is as, is as much part of it as the individual sitters and that's why I relate to it being a play you know I'll just say that I think I've I've kind of I've swithered on all of these I think the 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 portrait of Lord Arthurson is fantastic I love that and yeah Lord Brodie is another one and you've given him the kind of most space I think as well but they're all fantastic. Um, every time I've come back through them, I, I think I've picked a different one uh, to see. That's I think fantastic. I, I think for me, it's I think it's human nature to have a favourite over another, and that might be for a million different reasons. But for me, I, I see it as a body of work, and it's like yeah. the, the 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 most important piece of the jigsaw is the piece you can't find. And as soon yes. as you find it, then it just becomes a bigger picture. And for me, these I don't think there's a missing part for me at the moment. Who's, who's to say I won't look back on it in five years' time or ten years' time and think, you know, I wish I had done that. But at the moment, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know. And I realise where, where time is, is, is drawn to, to a close here. I, I just wanted to ask you one more thing about a legacy from this. I know you spoke a bit about it at the start, but we can maybe speak about it just a little bit just now as well. Most of the jobs that we do, the work we produce is published, and if we're lucky, it goes on to have a life after that, uh, you know, being reproduced in other places. But by and large, the majority of our work, it sort of fades uh, gradually into obscurity in a way. You must have a thought about the historical significance of these images and where they'll go. And how they'll be viewed in the future. Well, I think I think only time can tell that. But I think that as a body of work, I, I'm not aware of any other collective body of photographs in recent times of such a group as as part of one individual project. Of course, they've all been photographed individually and they've all been filmed individually. But then you add a pandemic into that and you add a specific year into 2020 that I don't think... But it wasn't made for that purpose, although I think that purpose finds itself. Do I think it has an, a historical importance? I think it probably has, uh, insofar as taking me out of the equation. I think as a collective of work within a, a, a specific time, yes, it does become one. And then when you relate it to the, the, the space it was created, then it becomes another level again. So, you know, I, I do think there is an historical... And, and 
Chris, none of us know what 200 years from now holds. To me, it's, it is a, a record of a time uh, yeah. in Edinburgh. Do you think Rayburn would? Uh, do you think Rayburn would approve? Ah, couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I think he would approve? I think he probably would have enjoyed a cup of coffee before and afterwards. And I think Rayburn <laughs> wouldn't have mattered in Rayburn's mind. Because yeah. I, I, I can't approve or disapprove of Rayburn's work. It's up to him if he wants to, or it would have been up to him if he wanted to approve or disapprove of mine. I, I can't. I, I, I mean, I can't change it and I can't waste any energy on, on wanting to change it. If, if Rayburn liked what I created in his space, then that would be wonderful. If he well, didn't well, like it, he would probably have a good reason why he didn't like it. For what it's worth, I think you would probably both go on quite well. And the only argument would be would be who would be paying for the cup of coffee. No, well, that's it. I'll, I'll take care of the coffee. He can provide the studio. <laughs> I think I've won. <laughs> well, thank you, David, for taking the time to talk and tell us about 32 York Place and how it all came together. It really is a fascinating and unique body of work. You can visit my website, chrismcnulty.co.uk, or find me on Instagram. Photographers Talking is a papercamera.co.uk production. Please visit the website for podcasts, pinhole cameras, and much, much more. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, subscribe, or share with a friend. And thank you for listening.